Hi, and welcome to the Thriving and Surviving podcast. I'm your host, Amanda Markson, and I'm a mum, a wife, an entrepreneur, a coach, and most importantly, I'm someone that loves to make waves, break stigmas, and challenge beliefs. Think of this podcast as a wine and cheese night with your besties, sharing your deepest and darkest thoughts and struggles, but also learning a thing or two. So whether you're thriving or just surviving, this podcast is here to enlighten you, heighten you, and most certainly brighten you. So let's dive right in, and I'm so glad you're here. So I'm actually recording this intro hiding out in my bedroom because Chili is asleep, Tommy and Callie are asleep on the couch. We just got home from the Halloween party um, with all of the mums group that I'm in Um, and apparently everyone is wiped out. And to be honest, same. (laughs) I might even have a little nap if everyone is still asleep once I finish popping all of this together because I have a double night. I've got night tonight and a night shift tomorrow night. So look, I wouldn't be mad getting a little sleep in before I go in, um, but this week's been so full on. So we had a sleepover at Tommy's mum's house. So um, we call it Umi, which is a spinoff from Uma because they are all German. Um, which was really good. And then on the Sunday, we had we went to Felons for one of my friend from work's 50th. And it's the first time Tommy and I have both gone out uh, together since we've had chili. And it was honestly so nice actually getting all dressed up and going somewhere as opposed to just, you know, like I guess we've technically had like, you know, date nights at home where, you know, we're in our PJs and, you know, we're spending some quality time, but to actually get full dressed up, it hit different. It was so good. And I had my um, dad and stepmom come around to babysit the girls. I mean, Chili's a dream. She just puts herself to sleep and she was asleep pretty much the whole time anyway. Um, But yeah, got some fresh lashes on, so feeling good. And oh my God, had an osteo appointment on Thursday and I remember when I booked the appointment they only had Thursday and I was like "Mm, I'll have my I'll have my kids on Thursday and they were like that's fine just bring them in and I'm thinking you clearly don't have young children because that sounds like a terrible idea and I was like oh in my head I was like yeah that's right like that's a few weeks away I'll sort something before then um and get someone to come around and watch them for me and I just it just completely slipped my mind so I didn't. Um, and then come Thursday, I was like, oh, dear, 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 dear me. And I also made the appointment right when they're supposed to be asleep. So it's a 15-minute drive from our house. So they both fell asleep in the car. So then not only did I have to wake them, but they were tired and cranky. So like I pre-thought with Callie, I literally put a chocolate Freddo in the car. <laughs> Follow me for more parenting advice. But um, put a chocolate Freddo on the car and was like, oh, my God, Callie, look, it's a, a jockey to try and sort of chill her out. And then the osteo was doing cupping. And Callie's like, mum, you've got spots on your back. And then when she was doing the dry needling, Callie's like, mum, you've got spikes. You look like a hedgehog. I was like, yeah, I guess I do. Um, but we got through the appointment. 
may or may not have, you know, set my osteo back from having her own kids for a few years, but we made it through. But what I forgot is that I've got a photo shoot next week and now I've got these giant cupping bruises all over my shoulder. So I'm feeling like a little bit of a dickhead. So I don't know. I have no idea what I'm going to do with that now. Um, And then I picked up an overtime shift um, on Thursday night as well at fire. So it is pretty busy at the moment at work. Um, You know, it's not so bad um, in Brisbane for everyone listening that lives locally, but out west at the moment um, there is a lot of very full-on bushfires happening. So it does make the entire state busier because we do take calls for other areas in the state. So it is pretty busy. Um, I'm interested to see how busy it is tonight tomorrow night um but yeah that's a little recap of everything that's been happening here this week um this is probably the first podcast episode i've done that actually has anything to do with the health and fitness space and i don't know to be honest it's probably a little bit more of a rant than anything else just some things that i've been noticing lately and i don't know if this is just facebook algorithms algorithm wow i can't speak algorithms messing with me a little bit because I've made the mistake of reacting and commenting on some ridiculous things that I see on on the web. So now I'm getting all of the ridiculous things. I don't know, but this is me having a little bit of a rant about the five things I hate the most in today's day and age about diet culture. So today's episode is right up my alley, being that it is in the health and fitness space. So I'm going to tell you the five things that I hate most about diet culture. So the first one is that people think that certain diet styles are more superior than others. Now, don't get me wrong, some styles of diet are more effective for some people rather than others, but it's not because a certain style of diet has some magical way of making you lose more fat. So when I'm saying diet styles, I'm talking about, you know, keto, which is a high fat, moderate protein diet, or carnivore, which is a high protein, low carb, moderate fat diet, where basically you're just kind of eating meat or a low carb diet low-fat diet, both pretty self-explanatory, paleo diet where you're eliminating processed foods. What all of these diets have in common is if you get results from doing any one of those, it's because you've created a calorie deficit. So if we use keto diet, for example, people that find they get really good results on keto diet, it's because they stop eating carbs, which By them not eating the carbs that they were eating in their diet prior, they're consuming less calories, which is then creating a negative energy balance, which results in them losing weight. Same as paleo diet, for example, which is, you know, reducing, not having processed foods and just having a lot of whole foods. If eating like that means that you're consuming less calories because you're not eating, you know, chocolate or whatever, you're creating a calorie deficit. So of course you're going to lose weight. Same principle applies to intermittent fasting. Intermittent fasting is where you're fasting for periods and you're reducing the meal window that you actually eat foods in. So if you're only eating for six hours of the day, most people 
will eat less because they're feeling full and then they just force themselves to be hungry out of that, which overall creates a calorie deficit. So it drives me insane when I see all of these posts and like, no, no, you have to do keto and you'll lose 20 kilos. If you're selling that to somebody that loves carbs and particularly someone that, you know, is training in the gym and performance is actually a factor, that's not going to be an effective diet style for them in the way of it being easy to maintain. Whereas, you know, if you're someone that you're not actually really big on carbs, you know, you prefer eating uh, foods that have higher fats and protein, it might be a great diet style for you because, you know, the plus side of having high fats um, in your diet style is it actually slows down the rate of gastric emptying of your stomach. So it can help uh, make you feel fuller for longer. Protein also helps suppress your appetite. So look, is having a higher protein diet going to be beneficial? Absolutely. But is any one of these specific styles going to magically make you zap fat compared to the other? No, (laughs) no. That is my first one that drives me insane. The second is, and it kind of honestly flows on from doing any sort of drastic eating styles, is having an all or nothing mindset. So, so many people that I speak to think that they have to be zero or they have to be a hundred and there is nothing in between. Where in actual fact, sitting at that 60-70%, that's where it's at. If you're zero, obviously, you know, you're not consciously eating at all. You're not consciously exercising. You're just doing whatever. That's zero. Then we go all the way to 100 where people are overtraining. They're being very, very restrictive on their foods. And nine times out of 10 after, you know, doing that, they tend to have a giant yo-yo and go the other way because they've been so restrictive for so long that it's just not something that's sustainable. However, if you're sitting in that, you know, about 60% where, you know, you're being conscious, you know, you're factoring foods in, you're still eating things you enjoy, but you're being mindful of the choices you're making. You've got an idea of what your maintenance is. You know, if you're trying to lose weight, you're sitting in that bit of a deficit. If you're trying to, you know, gain muscle, then look, you might be sitting at maintenance or a slight surplus. Are you perfect every single day with tracking? Probably not. But overall, are you? Yeah, you're still going to get results. And the process is going to be so much more enjoyable. So sitting in an all or nothing mindset actually disadvantages you. And the concept that you have to do that is honestly one of the things that I hate the most. The third is that diet is all about weight loss. So as soon as people say the word diet, if if someone says I'm on a diet, people assume, okay, so you're trying to lose weight. <laughs> Whereas actual fact, people go on diets. Diets is a, a temporary style of eating. So people go on diets for a whole magnitude of reasons. People go on diets to gain weight. People go on diets to help mitigate symptoms of illnesses um, or disorders. So myself, for example, I experience a lot less arthritic pain if I'm eating a lower inflammatory diet. I will, which usually means not eating, drinking alcohol and, you know, reducing the amount of processed high sugar foods that I have. I make that choice to do my best to eat that diet style, not to lose fat, but purely because I'm in less pain when I'm eating that way.
then some of my larger clients, some of my larger clients actually do eat really wholesome foods. So I find it wild, the assumptions that people jump to thinking that they know your life and what you eat based on how you look. Because on the flip side, and this is another part to unpack here, and obviously it's a little bit of a spinoff, but there's you can gain fat by eating healthy foods. And when I say healthy, I'm talking about fruit, vegetables, you know, your meats, your, you know, nuts, all of these unprocessed, quote unquote, healthy foods. If you are eating them to a point where your total calorie intake for the day is at a surplus to the amount of calories that you actually expend in your day-to-day, despite the fact that what you are eating is healthy, you will gain weight because there is an excess of energy in your body and our body's way of dealing with an excess of energy is to store it as fat for later use. So I still remember this I think I've I've talked about it before. I remember seeing this recipe online for chocolate mousse. And it was for like, you know, a healthy chocolate mousse, quote unquote, healthy chocolate mousse. And I saw them make the recipe and I was like, "Mm," just as someone that obviously I have a great understanding of what's actually in foods and, you know, their caloric value and the macros in them. I was watching this recipe unfold thinking, Yep, there's lots of great micronutrients involved because, you know, the foundation that they were actually making it from was like an avocado base and they were adding, you know, all of these other things that look do have nutritional value. Absolutely. But I'm thinking this is going to be a very high calorie snack. So I ended up getting out my fitness pal and entering in this recipe and having a look. And it was like the, for the batch, it was nearly, I think it was like 700 calories per serve of this chocolate mousse. And I'm thinking, Christ, like there will literally be people out there being like, oh my God, I love chocolate mousse. I'm going to stop eating this, you know, processed one that has, you know, maybe 200 or 300 calories. And I'm going to make this healthy one so that I lose weight. So are you going to be getting more vitamins and minerals from, you know, this quote unquote healthier option? Yeah, most, most likely. But Is it going to be aligned with your goal of fat loss if you are now consuming twice the number of calories from this snack? Most likely not. And that's where having a really good understanding of what is in the foods that you're eating. And that's where, you know, starting to track macros using any sort of, you know, the food tracking apps. Even if your tracking isn't perfect, um, even if, you know, maybe not all of the entries that you put in are exactly right. If you're just starting out, you're probably just having a little bit of a play, but it is like looking into the wishing well, into the crystal ball, and just getting a bit of an insight about what you're actually putting into your body. Because otherwise, you know, it's like making a cake and having a bit of an idea on the ingredients, but just guessing every quantity and mixing everything together and just kind of hoping it works. It gives you insight and it helps you be able to make an informed decision by having that base understanding, which is why I tend to steer away from putting clients on meal plans. I much, much, much prefer to help teach them how to understand macros because it is like 
a light bulb moment when they're like, holy shit, I get it now. This makes so much sense. I can absolutely see where I was going astray before. Like this makes sense. It's actually not that hard and it's not that complicated. It's just, you know, the media that the media mainly just makes it all seem so hard and you're so bombarded with so many inaccurate things that, you know, you think you've got to buy like fat burners and whatever else from online because it's all marketing. But realistically, the fundamentals of fat loss, medical conditions aside, is not that complicated. You've just got to come back to the basics. And that's where I thrive. I absolutely love teaching my ladies that space and just watching them start hitting strides and getting the results that they've been wanting and trying to get for years and have just been trying all of these ridiculous fads or diet styles and not getting the results that they're after. And this has taken an interesting turn of me going on a little bit of a tangent rant. But yes, coming back to I despise, it's not even hate, I despise when people make assumptions about other people based on how they look. And that extends past just about their diet and training, just in general. It's the whole expression, right? Like judging judging a book by reading the cover, that. So if you have any takeaways from this episode, please take this away. Pick a style of eating that works for you and your life and your goals. Find something, unless you know you're prepping, find something that is sustainable or make small changes that you can actually maintain and somewhat enjoy the journey of in your day-to-day life, remember that it's not always about fat loss. You can have diets for a whole magnitude of reasons. And to be honest, you don't even know anyone's explanation as to why anyway. Remember, it is not a one-size-fits-all. Copying what your friends do is not going to get you the same results. Get something personalized to you. And don't judge other people because you don't know where they're on in your journey, just like you do not want someone judging or having an opinion about you. So that is my five things that I hate most about diet culture. 